Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. I want to look in Genesis chapter 3 tonight. We've been looking at Genesis because Genesis is the foundation of, of everything else that happens in Scripture. I mean, if we don't get Genesis right, the message of Genesis right, we're not going to get much of anything else right. And here, you know, we see that God had created a perfect world, culminated in humanity who are his imagers, and we were called to join him in subduing the earth and having dominion over the earth. We were his representatives on earth. But somewhere near the beginning, the beginning of chapter 3 actually, there's this creature that's introduced, he's called the serpent. And he rebels against God and he wants to bring humanity down with him and so he seduces and he tempts eve and then you know adam joins in and they join in the rebellion of that serpent they eat of the tree of, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil they experience good and evil apart from god they think they can determine good and evil apart from god they think that they they can determine what the concepts of good and evil are you know god we don't want him to tell us what good and evil is we want to figure it out ourselves well because of that they become aware that they're they're naked which is an awareness of shame and now it's time to face some consequences but we first i'll really get into the consequences next week but at at first uh you know we see the interaction that they have with god and see what what god uh, is doing and and see what happens when they are confronted with their sin and so i want to read verses 8 through 13 and it says and they adam and eve heard the sound of the lord god walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the lord god among the trees of the garden but the lord god called to the man and said to him where are you and he said i heard the sound of you in the garden and i was afraid because i was naked and i hid myself he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave, gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Well, God has, comes to humanity, and uh, it says that they heard the sound of the Lord. <coughs> it's actually very interesting. The word for sound there is also the word for voice. And so it's like they heard the voice of the Lord walking. How do you hear a voice that is walking? Well, uh, you hear a voice when it's the word of, of God. And so here's a little speculation, but this might be the pre-incarnate Christ. At minimum, it's a theophany. And what a theophany is a manifestation of God in the physical realm interacting with humanity. So God manifests himself, and he comes to fellowship with Adam and Eve. <coughs> and this seems to be a daily thing. This seems to be something that, that they did. You know, what we, here it says, you know, in the cool of the day is the way that the ESV puts it. It literally says in the wind of the day. And so it might be talking about early evening, uh, when when God is coming, but they, you know they may have had this interaction every day at the same time of the day. God comes and they fellowship together for some time, and uh, you know that 
We talk about having fellowship with God through the Word and through prayer and things like that. Can you imagine fellowshipping with God face to face? Well, you know, we're going to get to do that one day. Don't get to do it now, so to speak. We fellowship with God in different ways. But they were able to interact with him face to face. But they heard God coming. And, you know, we, we, the way that it's written, it, or the way that it's translated, it might be tempting to argue that God, <coughs> excuse me, that God didn't know what happened. It might be tempting to say that God is not omniscient. You know, omniscient means that he knows everything. Because, you know, God, he's strolling along, doesn't it? He's not letting on that he knows anything happened, when in fact he really does know everything that happened. And, you know, it, he's like, well, what's going on? Where are you at? What's, what's going on? He, he knows exactly what's going on. This is part of the reconciliation process. He's trying to pull Adam and Eve out. He's trying to get them to own up to what they did. You know, it, he knows everything that went on. God is, God is omniscient. He, he knew that the serpent was tempting Eve. He knew Adam and Eve fell. He knew where they were when they were hiding. And yet he is interacting with them, trying to get them to own up to what it is that they did. But Adam and Eve, they think, oh, you know what, we're, we're just going to hide. You know, where beforehand they would have sat with him and maybe ran to him and wanting that fellowship together. And now they're hiding from him because they're aware of their guilt and shame. And that's what sin does to us. When we sin, it causes us to run away from God. We know that the Bible elsewhere talks about sin and the presence of God, his full presence. They don't mix. God cannot endure in the, well, sin cannot endure in the full presence of God. But we know the rest of the story. Even in our sin, we are to run toward God because he provided a way of mercy and grace. But Adam and Eve, they ran and they, and they hid. And in their mind, they didn't, they didn't want God to see what they had become. They didn't want God to see what they were doing. And that's kind of human reason or human nature now I suppose you could say because a lot of times when kids do something wrong I mean they want to run and hide from mom and dad because they know they did something wrong they don't want to face the consequences and so Adam and Eve they did not want to face God they are overcome with guilt and shame and I mean these are new feelings for them this is something new and they don't know how to handle it they don't know what to do about it but it's interesting. We see our God at work. And God did not, you know, the moment that they sinned, the moment that they rebelled, God didn't just come down in judgment. Even here, you know, it, it's, it's describing him strolling along. He's walking. He's coming toward them. I mean, he's the one that, that uh, approaches, but it's not in anger and it's not in judgment immediately. I mean, later in the chapter, we know there's, there's judgment, but... God isn't coming toward them in a raging storm. He's searching out for humanity. 
Of course, he, we know now, and he know, knows what he's going to do about it. <coughs> but you know what? He sought humanity out. Was God angry? Yes. Did God's justice need satisfaction? Yes. And yet he approaches humanity calmly, and he's seeking for them. You know, and, but even though there's these dire consequences, God is not giving up on his imagers. You know, God is God. He could have just said, all right, all you rebels, forget, forget it. I'm going to destroy you all. I'm going to cast you all out. But he didn't do that, did he? He looks for them. He, he, he seeks for them. You know, I, I think of other biblical imagery. You know, that the shepherd who seeks out the lost sheep, the, the father that looks for the prodigal son, that's God. He is seeking them out because he knows he has a plan to bring humanity back. And so he calls out, where are you? Now it's interesting, the you there is singular, so he wants to face Adam. Adam is the covenant representative of humanity. He wants to deal with Adam. Again, asking that question, where are you? It's not a limitation of God. He wants to draw Adam out. He wants to start the work of reconciliation with Adam. But mankind is hiding. Mankind is hiding in guilt and shame. And it's ironic. The man and woman who ate the fruit so that they could become like God are now running away from God. They want nothing to do with God in their fear and shame. But God calls out, where are you? Where you at, Adam? What you doing, Adam? Where you at? He wants Adam to come out and face, face him, face his sin. <coughs> there can be no reconciliation until the lawbreaker confesses and repents. And yet, here's man trying to hide. I mean, how, how often do we try and hide because of our sin? How often because of our sin we run away from God? You know... That's a, one of the lies I think that Satan tells us. Well, oh man, you blew it. You blew it, and so God wants nothing to do with you. Just, just stay away from God. Stay as far away from God as you can, because he wants nothing to do with you now. You're such a mess up. You can't do anything right. That is so far from the truth. God seeks us out just as he sought out Adam and Eve. Where are you, Adam? Where you at, Adam? But another consideration, I guess, looking at it from a different angle is that, I mean, they do have to face the consequences. You, you can't escape God's judgment. You can't escape what you have done. Non-Christians think that they can hide from God. I can hide what I'm doing. I can hide what I'm thinking. God can't see what I'm doing. They believe they can get away from him. They think they can get away from his wrath. You can't hide from God. You can't escape judgment. But now we do know we have a choice because God provided Christ so that 
we don't have to face him as judge. We can face him as father. Adam comes out of hiding. He's facing God. He has nowhere to go. I mean, it's not like God won't find him. And so he gives his explanation. Uh, he, said, uh, he heard God, and he was afraid because of his nakedness. He's saying he didn't want to appear before God in his nakedness. He didn't want to face God exposed. I mean, you know, nakedness is exposure, but not just, you know, physical nakedness is not the only thing that he's talking about. The spiritual nakedness. He was exposed as a sinner. And um, we notice here that his self-consciousness has now changed. He felt... He felt the disgrace of, of being an open sinner before God and before the world. Mankind wanted to cover himself up because of his actions. You know, <coughs> earlier, they tried to cover themselves up with fig trees. And then they tried to hide themselves among the trees. But you cannot cover yourself up. You cannot hide from God. Hebrews 4.13 says, No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know, he may have tried to hide his nakedness from God, but he was exposed with or without the fig leaves. He couldn't hide behind the trees. He was exposed before God. Everything about us is exposed before God. And here's the thing, he loves us anyway. We think, man, I sure hope God didn't see me do that or whatever. He did. He loves you anyway. That's why he sent his son. He shows his love. God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. He says, yeah, I, I see you. I see you completely for who you are. <coughs> I see everything you've done. I see everything you've thought. I've seen every attitude you've had. And I love you so much I sent my son. We can't hide. And even though we are naked and exposed before him, he loves us anyway. We cannot flee from his spirit. We cannot flee from his presence. The psalmist said in one, Psalm 139, I mean, if, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I... Take up the wings of the morning, you're there. If I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, you're, you're there. You're just, you're there. They're, you're everywhere. You see me. You see every bit of me. And yet God still loves us. But man here is found out. Man is found out. Now, God wants Adam to figure out that he's found out. And so God asks Adam two questions, two more questions. Who told you that you were naked? That sounds strange because you would think, well, if someone's naked, they would kind of know it. But it's more about what the nakedness represents. Who told you to feel guilt and shame? Who told you about guilt and shame? How did you learn about guilt and shame? Because of their rebellion. And then, and then, you know, he asks the question, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? 
This is a question to prompt confession. It's time for man to acknowledge his crime. Uh, you know, they, Adam and Eve, they received a knowledge that wasn't meant for them. They were merely to trust God and follow God, but they decided, well, no, we want to be like God. And now they want nothing to do with God. But mankind has found out. And something interesting happens. Mankind knows they're found out. They're facing God now. They're facing the one that they rebelled against. And you would think, what, what else can you do? You just got to go with it. You just got to admit it. You got to confess it. But no, what do they do instead? They start playing the blame game. I'm going to blame anybody and everybody else except myself. I'm going to pass the buck down the, you know, pass the buck down the line, so to speak. And boy, if that isn't human nature, I don't know what is. We play the blame game as well. You look at Adam and who he blames, and Adam actually blames two people. I mean, first, Adam blames Eve. I mean, yes, technically Eve ate of the tree first. I mean, technically Eve is the one that handed him the fruit. But when Eve gave him the fruit, he didn't have to eat it. You know, he could have said no, but he didn't. And so it was completely his choice to do so. You know, it, he, he, he's blaming Eve. Look, if, if this woman didn't hand me this fruit, I wouldn't have eaten. But he's not taking responsibility. But Eve isn't the only one that Adam blames. Because consider the way that he words it. Consider the way that he words what he says. He says, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the fruit of the tree and I ate. Do you see that pot shot that he takes against God? You know, God, the woman that you gave to me, you know, you're the one God that gave her to me. I mean, think, think about what he's saying. Look, God, if you hadn't have given me this woman, I wouldn't have done what I had done. I was perfectly fine and content, me and the animals, hanging out, just doing our thing. But then you had to make me fall asleep and you had to take some the side out of me, you know, rib and whatever, and form this woman. So you're the one that gave me this woman, God. So I'm blaming you, too. It's, look, it's you and the woman's fault, not mine. Now, obviously, none of that holds any weight. But what a picture of fallen humanity. I'm not going to take responsibility for anything that I do. I'm not going to take responsibility for my actions. I'm going to blame everybody, even God. If God didn't put me in this situation, I wouldn't have done what I had done. If God didn't allow this to happen, then this wouldn't have happened. No personal responsibility whatsoever. And so God will get back to Adam a little later on. He turns his attention to the woman. What is this you have done? Eve, what did you do? Her name's, well, technically her name's not Evia, but woman, what did you do? Well, she could have just confessed what she did, but no. Continues the blame, it's her turn to play the blame game. This is the game 
She blames it on the serpent. She admits she was deceived, but you know what? It was the serpent that did it. So really, God, it's the serpent's fault. It's not my fault. Again, technically, technically the serpent did lie to her. Technically, the serpent did tempt her. But again, she's the one that made the free will choice to eat. She knew what God's command was. She was able to repeat it verbatim to the serpent when he started talking to her. When he started his little twisting of God's word, I mean, did God really say you shouldn't eat of any tree in this garden? Well, no, we can eat. Uh, we, we just can't eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Can't even touch it. You know, she's ends. She knew full well what the command was. But she chose to eat of it anyway. But you know what? It's the serpent's fault. It's the serpent's fault. Now, the, the serpent wasn't given a chance to talk because, I mean, God goes right into judgment for him. I mean, who, else, who is the serpent going to blame? I mean, you know, Adam blames Eve, Eve, bl Eve blames the serpent, the serpent's looking around, well, who in the world can I blame? <coughs> he had his part in this. But you know what? We can't pull, put the full brunt of humanity's problems on the serpent. Yeah, he did the tempting. He did the twisting of God's word. He just kind of poked and prodded the bear. Hey, come on. Just look at that fruit. It's good looking. It's good for food. It's going to make you wise. God knows, God's holding out on you. I, I mean, because he knows if you would eat of it, you'd become like him. So just go ahead, go ahead. But you know what? Humanity had a choice. And they chose to rebel. We cannot do, I'm showing my age here, so people my age and older, you'll know who I'm talking about. We can't do a Flip Wilson theology. The devil made me do it. The devil, uh, all these younger folks are like, Flip who? Flip Wilson, he was a comedian from the 70s and whatnot. And he, he would always have the, this funny line, the devil made me do it. Yeah, well, the devil can tempt, the devil can lie. But you know what, in reality, the devil can't make you do anything. He can't make you do anything. It's always your choice. It's always my choice. It was Adam and Eve's choice. We can't do the blame game. So what do we learn here? First, blaming others for our own sin. It's the oldest trick in the book, but it's never the right response. There's only one person to blame for our sin. Guess who that is? Ourselves. We can only blame ourselves. Yeah, but I wouldn't have done this if so-and-so didn't do that. Yeah, but you know what? You're in charge of your actions and reactions. So just because so-and-so did that didn't mean you had to do that. You chose to do that. Stop passing the buck. The buck stops with you. 
It's not the blame game. God is looking for us to take responsibility of our sin, confess, and repent. We can't hide it from God. So we have to be real with God about our sin, about our struggles, about our emotions, about everything. Because he already knows. <coughs> we also learn here that God himself sought after mankind after their rebellion and fall. This is our wonderful God. He didn't come after us with a hand of judgment. He came to us with a hand that was open to reconciliation. And we know ultimately that reconciliation was found in his son. At the cross of Jesus Christ, God's judgment and God's love come together and are satisfied, and we don't have to hide from God. We can come to him even in the midst of our guilt and our shame, and we can have it wiped away in Jesus Christ. The power of, our, of sin, the penalty of sin, everything of sin, the guilt, the shame can be wiped away in Jesus Christ because he sought after us. We didn't first love God. God first loved us. And he showed that love through Jesus Christ. And so with our sin, with the mess that we are, we're all messed up in some way, shape, or form. No, I, I got everything together. I'm doing okay. No, you're messed up. We're all messed up because of sin. Because of the curse. Because we live in a broken world. We're broken people. Yeah, we, we like to point down the line, well, if Adam and Eve didn't do that. Look, if you were in Adam and Eve's shoes, even though they didn't have shoes, but you know what I mean? If you were in Adam and Eve's place, you would have done the same exact thing. So we can't, we can't blame them either. But you know what? We can get healing. We can get salvation. We can get peace. We can get hope. We can get release from the guilt and shame through Jesus Christ. And so that's what we celebrate. That's what we celebrate as a body of believers. Everything that's going on in my life, God knows, God cares, God loved, God saves. And so we run to him. So let's not play the blame game. Let's not try and say, okay, so-and-so did that, and so, so I did that. Lord, I did that. I confess that to you. Repent. Lord, steer me in the direct, right direction. Empower me to obey. And I thank you for Jesus, without whom I'd be lost. And so we celebrate him. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry at Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministry is on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.